Well, would you stand this morning? If you believe God is here and ready to transform your life, I'd like you to declare this Trinity declaration with me uh, right now. Let's do this together. Just pulling it out. Thank you. And let's do it on three. One, two, three. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. I am invited, loved, chosen, and called. Because God has my full attention and cheerful yes, I am good soil for the good news. I will be faithful with my identity, song, gift, and story. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. Would you praise the Lord? Praise God. You may be seated. I pray you had a blessed Thanksgiving. We did, and we really turned the page hard into the Christmas season. Uh, We got a Christmas tree. We set it up. We went to light up night out in Hunt Valley and saw uh, Santa come in on a fire truck and light up the Christmas tree. A lot of carols were sung there, and um, one carol was sung. This is is something funny. I, I, I wonder if you know how a Baltimore person sings Jingle Bells. You might know this, you might not know this, but it it sounds a little bit like this. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. I thought that was a real missed opportunity the other night at Hunt Valley, but that's how I sing it anyway. Um, I wanted to tell you something else that uh, that was so funny this week. Uh, we had the Thanksgiving, and 435 families were given a set of groceries uh, last Saturday. It was an amazing outreach. Thank you to everyone who served. My son and daughter were in the car on our way there, and they were, um, they were asking some questions about what we were doing and why we were doing it. And my son is just in this second grader, seven-year-old age where everything he said, you don't know what he's about to say, and oftentimes it's hilarious. He said, um, he said you know, if, if I struggle to pay for my groceries someday, I'm just going to get the basics, just bread and wine. <laughs> and I said, really? I said, why, why is that? And he said, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. <laughs> So I checked his thermos, and he was, we're okay, but just the things that come out of him. Um, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then you are on a journey. You're part of a process that I'm part of today that many uh, people are part of in this room, and we call it many different things. We call it discipleship. We call it spiritual formation. We call it sanctification. But it's this ongoing process of our attitudes, thoughts, words, behaviors, micro-behaviors, habits, all of our actions um, being restored into the image of God. It's getting our practice and behavior to sync up with this new creation essence and nature that's in our souls. The Holy Spirit does this miracle of resurrecting our soul, and then we're in this journey, in this process, for all of our actions and behaviors to line up with that new creation. That our faith would lead us, and it would produce the fruit of actions that honor God. That we would start to live as Jesus lived. Talk how Jesus talked. The Bible uses different terms to refer to this process. And uh, I, 
I think the most biblically accurate way to talk about discipleship is the words spiritual formation, because God is forming us into the image of his son. The Bible uses many words. Two of these words are conformed and transformed. Romans 8, 29 says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. The idea here is that we are moldable, that we are changeable and malleable, that God can mold us, just like we talked about this summer when we talked about the potter's house in that Jeremiah study, when Jeremiah went down to the potter's house, that God could work us into a vessel of honor that could hold the glory of his Holy Spirit and be poured out in this world. That's the idea here. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says it this way, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Uh, Some biblical translations here say instead of with ever increasing glory, they say from glory to glory, which is what the Greek says. And, And the idea here is that there is an intensifying radiant holiness that how God is in his perfect state in eternity, that people would catch a glimpse, catch a, just a beam of the radiant goodness and perfection of God when they look into our lives. And that, that it's intensifying all the time, step by step, as we walk with the Holy Spirit. So we have these two ideas here of being conformed and transformed. And it happens by being joined together with Jesus, each day connecting and abiding with Jesus. In fact, that word conformed is the word sum-morphos, sum-morphos. Sum means together or joined, and morphos means formed or morphed. And it, it means that when we're joined together with Jesus, we are changed. We're continually being formed as we stay connected and joined together with him. There's such a sweetness to this time of year, a sweetness to the Christmas season. The lights shine brighter, um, uh, but also we all are aware that in this season of the year, there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of Christmas chaos. Schedules get hectic, and holiday stressors amplify struggles. It is uh, no secret, and I'm not going to pretend today. I'm going to be real with you that this time of year, loneliness and relapsing are at an all-time high. Stress, depression, anxiety, alcohol, and drug use increase during December. Relationally, this is a season where the most fighting and breakups happen. In fact, January is the busiest month for divorce lawyers. January, because of all the holiday stress, the fighting, and the breakups that happen in relationships. Financially, during this season, debts skyrocket. We feel pressure of gifting and events that we're attending, travel. What often happens in our lives is we can go on activities autopilot and pause our growth. I want to talk to you about that this morning. How can you avoid activity autopilot and how can you avoid going into a stagnant spiritual mode this December? 
We know that in January, we like to take time to seek after God, to fast and pray, to have some spiritual emphasis and sacred assemblies and times where we come together in worship. But we don't need to wait for January or press pause on our growth now to get to a point where we reignite our passion and our walk with God. Sometimes when we begin to work through our holiday bingo card of traditions, which seems like it's getting longer and longer all the time, um, we get distracted from what God wants to do in our lives in this special season. This season is all about him. Jesus is the reason for the season, but too often Jesus becomes a decoration of the season. He becomes an add-on or something we remind ourselves of when we get buried in all the other Christmas traditions that, oh yeah, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season. And so we, we need to build this season on our walk with Jesus. We aim for Mary, but often we end up dizzy. We trade our communion in for cocoa, and we forget how to say yes to less. Remember that cry of John the Baptist that paves the way for Christ's work in our lives? He says, I must decrease so that he must increase, that he might increase in my life. Ecclesiastes teaches us a lesson that we need to remember during the Christmas season. It's that all of life is vanity without Christ. Jesus gives purpose and meaning to life. There is a seasonal glaze that our, that our culture puts on top of a lot of vanity during December. Jesus gives me purpose during this season. And one note that might be helpful for you as you navigate the holidays as a believer is that there is a difference between special and sacred. There's a difference between special and sacred. Sabbath Resting with God, abiding with him daily, fellowshipping with his spirit, and prayer, those are sacred gifts from God to us. Sacred. Parties, presents, baking, decorating, those are special to us. There's no scripture about them. They're special to us. Those are our traditions that we hold near and dear to our hearts. They cannot become the priority over the sacred things that we've been called to in our walk with Christ. Don't let those special things distract you from the sacred. The best way to honor Jesus during December is to become more like him. How can you honor God this Christmas? Be more like him in December. So today, I just wanna give you a really simple and really practical message. It should be short and sweet. And it's this, three holiday hacks for spiritual growth. Three ways to be more like Christ by Christmas. Now, there's no cheat codes to Christ-likeness. Some of you might hear that hacks word and kind of, I don't want to cheapen it. There's no shortcut to carrying your cross. But these are biblical tips for holiday discipleship, and I pray that they will help you grow more holy during the holidays. Number one, check yourself twice. Santa does it, right? He's making a list. He's checking you twice. Check yourself twice. Prepare for holiday growth with self-examination. This is usually a time of decorating, not of digging, right? It's about putting things on the outside, making good first impressions. It's not a, a time of honesty and opening up the hood and digging in to our behaviors, our attitudes, our habits. 
Ecclesiastes 11.4 reminds us not to wait for the things that God calls us to. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Isn't that good? If you wait for the perfect moment, if you wait uh, for the moment that feels like everything's aligned, you'll never plant. And if you sit around watching and watching and watching and watching, you'll never harvest. You have to get to it, and you have to put some action to your walk with the Lord. And I think it's a good reminder for us that culturally, our schedules, culturally, the season will never align for us to take steps with Jesus. We have to do it, not from the outside in, but from our inside, our inner faith desire out. We can't wait for everything around us to motivate our spiritual growth. It has to come from within. If you depend on the culture to dictate your pace, the pace of your growth and your walk with Jesus, you'll never start a new habit. You'll never take a new step. This is a filth-forward culture. It will not help you be holy during the holidays. When Jesus trends in our culture, it's going to be too late to walk with him. When every knee bows and every, uh, and every tongue confesses, it is no longer a decision moment. It's a revelation moment. And we're going to see it's going to be revealed who the sons and daughters of God are, who's been walking with him already. So don't look at the season to determine, should I take steps with Jesus? Should I commit to uh, an intensified spiritual growth season during December? Should I wait for January? Now is the time. Right now counts forever. Um, your heart, if, if your heart was beating in the room this morning during that worship uh, service, then you're probably crying out, I want to be more like you, Jesus. I want to have more of you, Jesus. And if that's you, you are primed for great uh, December with the Lord. Holiness is this process that God takes us through to give us more of himself. That's what holiness is. He wants you to be more like him so he can give you more of himself, more of his glory in you. You're becoming more blessable more blessable. That's what holiness is all about. So I'm calling you today, check yourself twice, become an internal archaeologist excavating your heart. We act like that is a a big complicated thing sometimes, and you may need a professional's help. You might need to meet with a counselor. You might need to meet uh, with a pastor or a therapist or a mentor, but usually it's pretty simple. With the Holy Spirit and some humility, it's pretty easy to find an area, area of our life that we need to change to reflect Christ. Find a habit that's unchristlike or an enduring attitude that is unloving, an expression that's full of fear and not full of faith, and then confront the root of that behavior by asking, why am I doing what I'm doing? Here's something that Jesus wouldn't do. If Jesus was walking in my shoes, he would do this differently immediately. Why am I doing it? Why am I doing that thing? Ask that question. And we can do this confidently. I I love the process of becoming more Christ-like, of finding things in me that are out of alignment with the heart of God. Why? Why? Why can we do that with Christ and not be defensive? Why can we expose our heart and say, God, grow me. God, call me out. Why can we do that without fear? Because even though change is painful, 
even though conviction is painful, we're, we're growing from a place of victory. It's not that we're growing from a place of condemnation and failure. We already have the victory in Jesus. We already know the end. We have the essence and nature in our hearts already. We're allowing God to bring us into alignment with that new creation miracle that's already happened inside of us. We're saying, God, bring my behaviors in line. So we're changing and growing from a place of victory. We can do it confidently. Many avoid the path of self-knowledge because they are afraid of being swallowed up in their own abysses. This is a quote by Andreas Ebert. Can you relate to that? There's things in yourself that maybe you don't want to confront. There's things in yourself that you don't want a light shined on because you're ashamed of them. They're a broken part of you. Well, I like this quote that I put along with it. This is, a, this is like a Christian response to that. Christ has lived through all the abysses of human life, and he goes with us when we choose to have sincere confrontation with ourselves. Amen. In Celebrate Recovery, we call this inventory. Inventory. And it happens every Monday night if you're looking for a focused area of growth with a hurt, habit, or hang-up. But we're taking inventory, and we're saying, Jesus, shine a light. You've already gone through this, Jesus. You can take me through it. And If there's someone that knows how to deal with a dark side and come out of a grave, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Don't be scared of the underneaths. Look at that subsurface wiring. Pop the hood. Don't just decorate the outside. Pop the hood during this season and look for what needs rewired. Duke University did a study that determined 45% of all of our behavior is subconscious. Subconscious. Without the ability to automate, we would have to relearn everything we do every day. When it becomes second nature, we don't have to give it a second thought. Amen? I'm glad I didn't have to figure out my coffee machine this morning. I learned it. I know it. I can click the buttons with my eyes closed. Um, So many of our actions are subconscious. 45%. These systemic habits that we build determine our destiny That's why deconstructing them and reconstructing them from time to time is so important because these these habits are leading us towards the life we will ultimately leave as our legacy, the impact we will make in this world. Micro habits like brushing your teeth and holding your fork and macro habits like how you cope during crisis or how you react when you're criticized. Some of you maybe haven't analyzed some of those reactions and those expressions during crisis or conflict since you were a child. It's time to open up the hood, look at the wiring yourself, and sometimes you'll find a tripwire that I like to call an ant, an automatic negative thought, a thought that you just have automatically that is outside of your faith that is antagonistic to your faith. You're believing an old lie in your new life. And when you have some of those automatic negative thoughts and you lift up the hood, why am I behaving this way? It's because I'm believing and I'm thinking this way. And when you're able to identify that, the Holy Spirit convicts that in you, you're able to bring adjustment to it. In his book, uh, Do It For A Day, Mark Batterson shares this process of Uh, changing a bad habit for a new one. He says, first you need deliberate practice with desirable difficulty 
and that brings durable learning. It helps you learn a new way of doing things that becomes a pattern. That, that phrase, desirable difficulty, is important. It refers to a task that considers, uh, that requires considerable effort. Why do we need desirable difficulty if we're going to change something about us? Because if it's too easy, we will get bored and we won't follow through. No one signs up for an easy duster. They sign up for a tough mutter because they want to prove that they can do it. That's why we need desirable difficulty when we're starting a new habit, when we're changing a bad habit. When we want to fix something that's broken, if we're too bored, we won't learn. So we really need to challenge ourselves. We need to get out of our comfort zone to get into a place of discomfort and difficulty, which is where growth happens. That's how you change a bad habit. So first, look under the hood. Um, and, And you might say, you know, Anthony, I can't start a new habit in this month of inconsistent routines. I'm traveling to see family. I've got people coming home for the holidays. Work schedule's crazy in these few weeks before the end of the year. It's just an inconsistent season of routines for me. That's actually the best time to break a bad habit. Um, it's, It's actually the best time to break a bad habit. One of the best things you can do is change your routine to break a habit. So look under the hood, identify something that is out of alignment with the character and nature of God and bring adjustment to it. Identify it, make a goal. And then here's my challenge to you. As you check yourself twice, you identify something, you look under the hood, take a risk and look under the hood with a friend. Ask a mentor to meet with you. Give them a blank canvas meeting with a mature Christian and say, hey, I'm struggling in this area, I wanna bring adjustment to it. How do you follow God in this way? What are some practices you have that make you less angry, that make you more patient, that make you wiser with your money? Well, why don't you meet with a mentor? This is what Paul says. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Look under the hood with somebody else. You got 36 more days till the end of the year. Schedule one coffee with someone who's been walking with God a little further than you have. It'll pay off and it'll bear fruit in your life. Second, second uh, thing you can do to become more holy during these holidays, it's a holiday hack for spiritual growth, is create a new practice. Check yourself twice, create a new practice. Um, say yes to less. We just, we just mentioned it, John the Baptist's desire, he must become greater, I must become less. Don't fill up your every moment of every day. Don't fill up your calendar so that you're overextended, but create some margin to start a new practice. This is what it says in Ephesians 5. Be imitators of God. Imitators. This is a brand new concept that Paul tells us in the New Testament uh, to the, the church in Ephesus. Be an imitator of God. Okay. As dearly loved children and live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This word imitate, uh, he, he places it in the context of a child and a parent. A child that admires this example of their mom or their dad and they copy it. My kids love to play 
mommy and daddy. It's their favorite game. And um, the, the things they say while they're playing mommy and daddy, I'm like, is that, did mommy say that? I didn't say that. Um, but the things they say while they're playing are so funny. They like to imitate their parents. Paul tells us, as dearly loved children, imitate your God. Look at the God-approved example and live your life in love to the point of sacrifice. Let's go back to the beginning of November a few Sundays ago. We talked about sacrificial love. What does it say in Ephesians 5? It says, live a life of love, imitating God, uh, that just as Christ gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to the Lord. Christian Christmas is more than a feast and frolic for 40 days, reading the Christmas story once, saying Jesus is the reason for the season here and there. He has to be the center of the season. Nothing stays in the center without intentionality. Christ-likeness isn't an accident. It's not, uh, it won't be a surprise at the end of the year if you become more like Jesus in December. It will, uh, it will be an, uh, an equation of intentionality that produces a result of holiness in your life. It's not grandma got run over by a reindeer. Oops, shrug. It's not an accident situation. We don't get run over by loving habits. We intentionally practice them. When breaking a habit, uh, most people immediately go to one of four things. Sugar, alcohol, social media, and sleep. Regulating their sugar intake, alcohol intake, social media consumption, and sleep patterns. I think that the first thing Jesus would help you rewire today isn't sugar alcohol, social media. It's not even sports betting, lust, impatience, or anger. I think he will help you with those things. But the first thing that Jesus will pop the hood and help you rewire is prayer. The first habit he will help you begin in this season is your prayer life. Pray every day. This is an invitation to imitation. That's what Paul is extending to us. That's what God is giving us, an invitation to imitate him. And this invitation to imitation starts with excavation, and then it brings maturation, but it requires revelation. God will reveal things to you in your prayer time with him. He'll speak to your heart. He'll see your godly ambition, your desire to imitate him, and he'll anoint it. He'll speak, he'll breathe life into you. He'll help you with it. He'll bring success. He'll help you take those baby steps and he'll meet you in prayer. Pray every day. Here's my second challenge to you as you create a new practice this season. Pray every day. And I would like everyone that's a part of Trinity to read the gospel of John this holiday season. Read the gospel of John. We're gonna start a Christmas series next week and we're pulling it out of John 129, um, where Jesus is called far greater. John the Baptist calls Jesus far greater. And we're gonna spend this whole season thinking about the supremacy of Christ, how he is far greater than uh, many different things. So read the Gospel of John. That means at the end of 2023, if you've been journeying with us, you'll have read the whole book of Jeremiah. You'll have read the whole Gospel of John, at least. Praise the Lord. Um, Read the Gospel of John, and the, the third thing I'd like to call you to do is to pract, uh, practice a new habit. 
pray every day, read John, and addressed one of those unchristlike behaviors found in your examination. I'm not going to yell at home anymore. I'm not going to cuss. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to overeat. I'm not going to be passive aggressive. And I'm going to replace that bad habit with a godly behavior, with an expression of faith. Talk to God about it. Meet with a mentor and talk to them about it and commit to action. Here's some encouragement for you. 1 John 2, 6 says, whoever claims to live in Jesus must walk as Jesus did. 1 Peter 2, 21 says, God called you to do good even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. Look at the life of Jesus, find something he did that you're not doing and say, God, I wanna do that. So help me create this new practice. And John 15, 12 says, my command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Let it be a behavior that is the fruit of your love for God and love for others. Third thought today, third way that you can become more holy in the holidays, more like Christ by Christmas. Third holiday hack for spiritual growth is love through sacrifice. Love through sacrifice. The lowliness of the nativity scene where a baby is born in a stable and placed in a manger should be reflected in your humble offerings towards others. Figuratively, what manger are you getting into this month to love someone at the expense of your comfort? In what way will loving the world this month cost you something? Call you to lay down your preference, call you to lay down your comfort to go above and beyond, to give extravagant love to someone else. Let me give you three different groups of people that you should express love to this month. One, the least of these. The least should be the first on your list. The shepherds were the first recipients of the good news and they were nomadic, homeless outcasts. That should still blow our minds today. Who were the first people to, to receive the glorious breaking news that Jesus had come into the world? The first people. It was shepherds sleeping out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. They were the first on God's list to communicate peace on earth, goodwill to men on which God's favor rests. They heard that first. The least should be the first on your list. That's who God gave courtside seats to, to show how much he loved the world. We are doing these Christmas projects this month. Thank you for your participation. You're blessing people who are praying right now for divine intervention in their situation. I'll give you a little more insight into the Burkina Faso situation. Um, in that area of the world, January through April is called starving season because the harvest comes in and then they're living off of that harvest. And when January through April hits, it's when weather is the worst and that's when people begin to run out of food. January through April. Tebow has a program that multiplies exponentially the crop yield through uh, modern farming techniques and giving um, these plowing equipment that takes each farmer's um, yield seven times what it was without the equipment they provide. It's amazing. And they call the program End Starving Season. 
There's somebody right now that's facing, uh, that's facing a lack of their physical needs and they're also facing a lack of their spiritual needs and they're crying out. They don't even know who they're crying out to, but they're crying out for a miracle, for provision to change their life, to provide for their families. And they don't know, that they didn't get one of these cards. They don't know that Trinity has heard from God and we're being an answer to their prayers. The first on your list this year should be the least of these. Show God's love through uh, sacrificial love by giving sacrificially. Secondly, your neighbors should be blessed. Who should you love through sacrifice? Come on, somebody. God put you where you live with people on your left and on your right for a purpose. You're there on purpose because you have a purpose. It wasn't your landlord's decision. It was God's decision. He has aligned you to be a blessing to those around you. So do something. Give them something. A Christmas card is the bare minimum. Can you put some cookies with those Christmas cards? You're doing more for Santa than you're doing for your neighbor. Love them. Come alongside them. Find a need they have and meet it. And if you don't know of a need they have, just bless them extravagantly. Just because God gave you to me as my neighbor. You're my mission field. I'm responsible because you're in my backyard. We share a fence. We share a wall. And another group that should be on your love through sacrifice list this season that'll help you become more like Jesus is your family. Your family should not be bent out of shape, bending over backwards for your holiday expectations. You need to adjust your expectations to be a blessing on your family members. If you're a perfectionist, managing your expectations during the holidays can be very difficult, but it's a key practice to loving people like Jesus. For instance, you know around the holidays, someone is going to show up late. Someone is going to mess up that family photo. Someone is going to say something that you do not like at that table. Someone's gonna do something that's out of your expectation and out of your desire. Can you love them and connect with them and be intimate with them and draw near to them anyway? Or are you ruined for the whole holiday after one thing goes wrong? Your family should not get bent out of shape, bending over backwards for your holiday expectations. If one thing goes wrong, I think some of us have that attitude. Unless everything is perfect, I cannot connect with my loved ones in an intimate way. We need to learn to snuggle through the struggle. You're gonna have struggle with relationships this holiday season. Amen? Is anybody gonna have any struggle? I'm gonna have some struggles this holiday season. But you can snuggle through those struggles. You can lean in and be intentional and express the love of God to those that God has given you to be faithful with. You don't have to do everything just right for God to make things right. Praise the Lord. His mercies are new every morning. That's a promise for your family. It's okay. It's okay when you fall short. It's okay when you've messed up with your children. It's okay when, when you have, uh, have walked outside the character of Christ. Be humble, ask forgiveness, and trust God. Even when you're not doing everything right, God can make everything right. And um, that's, that's the blessing of our Redeemer.
Would you stand with me today? I know I didn't yell and scream at you today and uh, preach my guts out, but I just wanted to give you a couple practical tips as we go into this time where some people click autopilot on their souls so that we can go into a season of spiritual growth. This may have felt like a New Year's Day sermon, turn a new leaf, start a new habit, but I think it's important for this holiday season. God wants to be with you, Emmanuel, Lord with you, abiding with you through this Christmas season, not just be around you and in the decorations. He wants to be in your heart and in your home. So let's make time for him. Let's make room in our inn for Jesus every day during this Christmas season. You might be in the room or watching online today and you're saying, hey, I wanna be on that journey. I wanna be a disciple following after Jesus, being spiritually formed who he created uh, into who he created me to be. But I haven't opened the door yet. I haven't taken step number one. If that's you today and you've come in and you're, you're interested, you got a little spiritual Sherlock Holmes going on and you wanna figure out the big riddle, what this thing's all about, because life does feel, like Ecclesiastes says, meaningless. And it's easily to become pretty nihilistic and, uh, and to walk out uh, some existentialist perspective on the world without Jesus in your life because he's the one who brings meaning and purpose. And if you're in the room, you're like, I've been trying to figure this out. I've been looking for significance in something more, something that satisfies my soul. It's him. It's him. It's him. It's not about all the the lights and sounds. It's not about everything we attach to it, but it's all about Jesus, and he wants to redeem you today. All you have to do is admit you're a sinner and that you need him. Believe that his miracle life, that his sinless life and resurrection is powerful enough to atone for your sins and raise you from the dead as well. And lastly, commit to following him. Choose him every day single day. If you're in the room and that's you today, I want to remember you as I pray. Um, Before we bow our heads, if you're willing to just take that step of faith, try something new. Those old keys won't open the new doors. It takes faith. It takes faith in Jesus Christ. And if that's you today to say, I want to be saved, I want to be redeemed and start that journey, would you just lift your hand up for me? I want to remember you as I pray. I won't embarrass you. I just want to see your hand and remember you as I pray. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you, God, for those that would take a step today of placing their faith in you, placing their soul on you. You are the solid rock, God. When the storm comes, you, God, are the thing that doesn't wash away that we build our lives upon. For that person today that says, I'm tired of doing it my own way, Lord, I pray that you would flood their soul right now with miracle life, that they would eternally be transformed and be written in your Lamb's book of life forever and ever and ever. God, forgive them, bring peace and wholeness to their heart, and God, begin to work out a story of holiness holiness, uh, reflecting your glory in this world. Thank you, Jesus, for your salvation. And Jesus, I pray for that person that says, I want to be more like you right now. The Holy Spirit's convicted me. He's already been stirring me towards some personal transformation. God, I pray that as they look under the hood, as we sing this song right now, you would speak to them about a certain habit, a certain behavior that needs, you are no longer tolerating it, God. It's time for you to yank it in line with who you are. Lord, I pray that they would hear from you, set a goal, 
get strategic, and God, they would start a new practice during this season. Lord, we love you, and we're thankful for all you're going to do in and through us during this season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's worship God together today. Amen.